just so proud to be here. <laughs> yes, yes, we was are. Was that good? Yes, that was so good. <laughs> she would be honored. Oh, it felt good to say. And who said that very famous line? Well, that was just Sarah Ophelia Collie Cannon, mm-hmm. also known as Minnie Pearl, mm-hmm. the girl. The girl. <laughs> Her name is so Southern. Yes, it Sarah is. Sarah Ophelia Collie Cannon. <laughs> I love it. It's so beautiful and flowy like a summer dress. Yes. I love the name Ophelia. I would name a child that and call him Opie or something. That's cute. cute. That's cute. But instead, oh, but you I named am your... so glad. <laughs> yeah, I named, named my dog Minnie Pearl. <laughs> um, but I didn't lie. I am very proud to be here. Um, we haven't talked. Well, I mean, we've talked, but we haven't. On, we haven't recorded in how many weeks? Like at least two. I miss oh you. Oh Gosh, I know I've missed you too. <sighs> Listen, I was born to be in front of this microphone. Okay, that's how I feel. <laughs> Are you having withdrawals? <laughs> withdrawals. Yes. I'm like. I need to talk. Yes. Well, so. I'm glad we're back. We're back, baby. How mm-hmm. have you been? Been good. You know, just banking. Yeah. You know, entering those digits, making <laughs> sure people get their money. <laughs> yes. Living the dream. Living the, living the dream. <laughs> well, we've had yet another hurricane because it's Florida, so why not have a hurricane in oh. November? But it, So are you going to stay there this time? Yeah, it's already passed. It, it like The oh. worst of it was yesterday. And it was just rain up here. So I literally don't watch the news. People don't come for me. Um, I don't either. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> so, I didn't know you guys were having a hurricane until Shelby messaged and said something. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm great. Be safe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's good to that. hear that y'all are, y'all are safe this time and you don't have to drive to Alabama. That's right. That's right. No, there's no movies I need to see in case the power goes <laughs> out. So, yeah, oh doing gosh. that. I started a new show, Plaid Tidings, oh. at the Stras Center. We're very excited. It should be a cute show. Come see I it. I wish I lived closer because I would be there in a second. That sounds so cute. It is very cute. It is. The cast is lovely. The crew is lovely. So it, it should be a good show. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. <sighs> but Fine. back to the whole like, you know, oh, I can't because I have a rehearsal lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. But I did finish That's... Love is Blind because priorities. So let's talk about we. So the mole. Yes. That was a good show. That was a good show. If oh you haven't seen which, it, just skip over this part. But well, yeah, but um, I watched the mole when it was on like cable with my mom, like in the early two thousands. So like I remember what it was about. But then I guess there's like a new version of it on Netflix, and it was crazy. It was crazy. I had no idea that girl was very good at lying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I highly recommend. Thought it was someone else. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited for the new the new season. And then we've been watching, which I haven't caught up, but oh, I just I just got caught up on Handmaid's Tale. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh my goodness. Like all the way caught up? Yes. <gasps> okay, first of all, I didn't realize that was a season finale. Oh, okay. I didn't either, but honestly, it makes sense with the way it ended because I was just like, holy cow. Yeah, my sister told me that, and I was like, oh. I mean, that is a really good season finale, so it makes sense, but Mm -hmm. I was like, ugh. 
mm-hmm. that show. I'm like, well, this, I'm like, is this story ever going to end? Well, I mean, part of me doesn't want it to end, right. but then part of me is like, I am stressed for Hannah. June. I, I just Hannah June Luke Hannah, but yes, Ugh. I heard that the next season will be the last season. Oh, okay. thank God. Because I'm like, uh, I'm like you. I'm like, I enjoy it so much, but it's like, okay, I need some. Uh... <laughs> yeah. And then, okay, this is the last show I'll talk about. Tell me lies. I'm not caught up yet, but um, Liz freaking messaged me the other day with a bombshell. Bomb. So there is this hot gentleman that plays the main character. So hot. And his mom is Katie Seagal. Is that how you say her name? Mm-hmm. She was the mom. She was the smart house lady. Okay. And then she was in Married with Children. Sons of Anarchy. Is that mm-hmm. Sons of Anar- Anarchy. Um, okay. So she is the real life mom of the hot guy in the show. It and, just blew my mind. Yeah. And plays his mom in the show. Yes. 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 I didn't mention that. And then, did you ever watch that movie uh, I told you about? I failed you. I did not do my homework. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I started it and didn't finish it, but there's this movie called Torn Hearts. It's on Amazon Prime, I think. It is about Nashville. It's about country music, and Katie Seagal plays this like country music icon who her sister was murdered. It's like a scary, it's supposed to be a scary movie. Anyway, I had so many bones to pick with it. Like, to me, her in the movie, she's supposed to be, like, Reba's age. But then they look, like, they show flashbacks, and it's like she's dressed like she was in the time of Patsy Cline. And then they show dresses that she wore on stage, and it looks like Loretta Lynn. I'm like, the backstory's not adding up, okay? The costumer was a little confused, it sounds like. (laughs) And the music, I just wish they would have consulted me, because I literally would have given them, because there's like two, in in the movie, there's like two um, country music stars that are just starting off. I would have given them one of my songs for free to sing. <laughs> okay? They didn't have to. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Okay? <laughs> Wouldn't that be wild if that's how you got discovered, too? You like, you yeah. sympathized with shitty writing so much. You were like, you know what? Just have one of my songs. <laughs> Please, just take it at this and point. And then it blew because... up. Maybe you should do that. We need we need to go yeah. on tour. Okay, I'm ready to be right. your stage manager. I'm ready to do the dang thing. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, but no, I I was I texted Liz. I was like, okay, you need to watch this movie, and we're gonna do a re- review of it. Well, I didn't finish it, and she didn't watch it at all. So there we go. That's <laughs> there our review. That's of our it. review. <laughs> So it was very cheesy, and I'm very surprised that that Katie girl even played in it. So, me too. I know. I, you know what? She's she probably has so much money she can afford mm-hmm. to lose on a movie. You know, right? Oh but, my gosh! Yeah. <sighs> so, any other updates in life? Nope. That seems to be about it. Thanksgiving's coming up, and uh, ready for some turkey. Here's something quite controversial controversial i'm not big on thanksgiving it's okay i I don't like turkey (laughs) i don't know why i said i couldn't wait for it i i'm such a ham or chicken person yeah yeah and like the thing is is i'm sure my family cooks great food i just i'm also not a big (laughs) person that likes to share food like 
like just people bring all their food and set it up and it just sits there and oh you're not a potluck girl Mm, not very much no (laughs) and i'm glad i'm gluten-free because it gets me out of stuff that's true that is true oh (laughs) i'm sorry i'm so sorry mary i can't have your casserole (laughs) i think it goes back to my kmart days (laughs) there was this lady and people said they would say don't eat the corn there's cat hair in it and i'm like oh my golly yeah potlucks do freak me out because of that because i'm i'm such a clean human being but i don't trust anybody else's food Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) sorry to anybody out there that i've been a part of a potluck (laughs) i have okay this is another part of it is like even though i'm being so conscious about it i am like paranoid that somehow I'll bring something and it'll have like a freaking long red hair in it. And somebody's going <laughs> to, the redhead, <laughs> like there's 10 brown or brunettes here, but there's one redhead. It's obvious. It's me. It is. You know, yeah. it's like red hand, red handed. <laughs> red. Yeah. I get it. Red hair. But I, shh, I get it. Oh my gosh. I need to have it's coffee before these things. Well, I was in my refrigerator and I found a random Alani just sitting in there. It had like halo over it. Am I surprised? No. We have, I think, one Alani left from when you were here. And I ain't touching it. I was like, I bought those for you. All right. So I guess now we'll get into Miss Sarah Ophelia Colley Cannon. Um, so she was born October 25th, 1912. She was a Halloween baby, pretty much, which cool. Um, and 1912 was the year that the Titanic happened. So oh, put that good. into perspective. Uh, she was born into a wealthy and successful family. They had like a lumber business. So she was well off. And she was born in Centerville, Tennessee, which is like 50 miles from Nashville. She was the youngest of five girls. Um, my research tells me that the uh, like her mom was the belle of Franklin, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And you know how they say the belle of the ball? She was like the most, I guess, gorgeous girl in town. And she probably was like a debutante or something. Um, but she got introduced to acting because her mother would go shopping in Nashville. And at the time... Um, parents could just drop their kids off at this it's called the princess theater and i'm gonna have a picture of it for the partner post it's like an old theater that was down on church um in nashville they would so she just dropped sarah off there and this is where she got introduced to vaudeville and comedic acts and she became influenced by um elviry elviry weaver who is part of the weaver brothers and elviry act they were like a vaudeville act of like two brothers and their sister. Um, and then she would go on here from here being like looking up to Lula Bell and Judy Canova, who were other like comedic vaudeville actresses. But that's where she got the bug to act. Very hmm. fun. Very fun. <sighs> and I'll say this part because I'm kind of connected to it. So. Um, I said before that her family was pretty successful, but during the Great Depression, the lumber business that her dad had owned, it had failed. So it had like wiped out. So they didn't have money when it became time for her to go to college, but they could afford for her to go to Ward Belmont, which was a finishing school for women, but she could only go for two years. Now, 
the fact that they're like, well, you can't go to college, but you can. Af- we can afford Belmont. Yeah, I went right. to Belmont, <laughs> and let me tell ya. Yeah. <laughs> That's so crazy to me. Yeah, so uh, Ward Belmont become, be- became Belmont University, and I just got to say, B-E-L-M-O-N-T, Belmont, Belmont, go, Belmont. Okay, that's all I had to say. <laughs> what, were, what was the mascot for Belmont? The Bruins. The Bruins. It was a bear. That's right. There's right. a big bear statue. Okay, that's right. I thought We didn't have a football team, but we sure did have a basketball team, and I was there every game. Were you? <laughs> oh, my God. There was, there was this cute guy that all me and my roommates were in love with him. There it is. Okay. Yeah, that's why we were <laughs> that's there. Why what you was were his there. name? I think it was Chad. I think his name Chad? was Chad. Something like that. Chad, Chad is like remember. our generation's like Karen, you know, Chad <laughs> and Kyle. It's like, oh, <laughs> this man was so, oh my gosh, he was so cute. And he, his dorm, his like, so I lived in an apartment on campus and his apartment was right across from us and all him and his little basketball buddies were over there. We would, yeah, man, it was well, good entertainment. Chad, if you were on the Belmont basketball team, you do have a fan club. <laughs> or at least you yes. used to. Um, yeah, so fun fact, she actually um, majored in theater at Belmont. And rather than focusing on performing for a crowd, she really just spent most of her time in dance classes. Uh, she turned those classes into a job after graduating where she taught dance lessons for about two years uh, in and near around like her hometown. So she dreamed of performing so she joined a professional little theater group uh with an atlanta-based touring company and that was Mm -hmm. called the wayne p sewell production company which created amateur plays and musicals and rural audiences so basically they would hop up in a bus they'd go around to different southern cities they would go to places like civic organ they oh my gosh, I can never say this word, organizations um, Mm -hmm. or the Lions Club, urging people to see the Productions Act. They would enlist the help of like schools and churches and stuff to kind of help them put on the show, which as a stage manager, okay, that stresses me out. (laughs) Enlisting the help (laughs) of other people to put your little show on real quick. But you know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure it was a fun, fun life. It's pretty crazy to think about. Can I just say something real quick? Yes. I find it amazing that she had a hand in, you know, people think of the South and they think it's un, um, like they have no, what is that word I'm looking for? Um, Like they don't know, they're uncultured. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm, Yes, yes, yes. And they, they made it their point to go into like Southern towns and like give them a little bit of culture and to show them like arts and things. So I find that, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. She was a part of that. I mean, just imagine, you know, being in the 1930s, traveling around the South, a single woman, you know, in this Mm -hmm. little group and having the wherewithal to do that, to work and be focused on your profession is pretty cool. So, right. Um, yeah, she did. She really didn't care about being a comedic actor. She really wanted to be a dramatic actor, but she was just so gosh darn funny that it kind of mm-hmm. just became her thing. Now, there's a very important story that kind of acts as a catalyst, if you will, to you know, for the rest of her life, um, and how she 
took performing and how serious she took performing because, and by the way, this is a story that we get told when you join the Grand Ole Opry, you go through training, obviously. This story gets told in every single training. Whitney mm-hmm. Merritt has joined the Opry how many times? <laughs> I've heard this story like three times. Yeah. Okay. So, yes, they really do tell you this every time. But, um, so, yeah. And I know it never gets old. Every time I hear it, I'm like, Oh, that story. Right. It's pretty great. So basically, she was at a theater on the East Coast. It was a matinee, poorly attended. And that happens. Matinees are not Mm -hmm. the most fun shows, but sometimes they are. Anyway, she sort of blew it off. Okay. She was like, you know, I'm just going to spend more time entertaining the guys in the band behind me, not really playing to the crowd because it's like nobody showed up. So who cares? You know? Mm -hmm. Well, after she finished performing, the promoter asked her why she did it. And she was like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, why did you perform such a terrible show? And she's like, well, it's not like anyone was here to see it. And he said, well, you don't understand. It turns out that a producer from Broadway was here to see you to potentially cast you in the musical Oklahoma as Annie Ann. Mm. And that's the comedic character for those who don't know Oklahoma. But um (laughs) He said, he just walked away shaking his head and said, I would not have her. So Pearl always remembered that as a lesson to never fluff the show because you never know who's there. So if you're a performer, don't fluff the show. And they tell us that in training because it doesn't matter who is there to see the show, who's on the tour. You need to give every single person every single guest the exact same experience a fantastic experience they paid to be there and it's always amazing to me how many people in my tours whoever waltzes in the opry shop that this was literally their bucket list item Mm -hmm. and it was always so profound when people would say that because i often found myself working at the grand ole opry and hating it (laughs) like all the time. <laughs> but then you realize these are this is like the place for a right. lot of people and you're like, "Wow, okay, I'm really taking advantage of it. I need to get my craft mm-hmm. together and realize how cool of a job this is." So, I um I would find myself going back to this story a lot when I was working in the Opry shop. I would be like, "This is probably the 150th poster I am rolling up today." Mhm. But this is this person's first time at the Opry and this person's first time in Nashville. And it's like you, your attitude and how you treat them. And if you make it a special event, it will change their whole time in Nashville. So I would always go back to like, yeah, this might not be a, anything new to you, but to them it is. So right. don't, don't take advantage or don't, I don't know. Don't fluff the show, I guess. Don't fluff the dang show. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. So, but I don't, you probably know this, but I don't really Mm -hmm. know exactly when she met her husband, Henry. Okay, so um, she moved home. So after this, she was kind of defeated and she had to move home. And she was 28 years old. And this is the part when I was reading her story, I was like, oh my gosh, because I'm 28 right now. And I've had to move home from Nashville. Not like it really wasn't my choice. It was like, it was, I felt just as undefeated as she did. So I kind of related to her on that. And 
she just felt like her career had gone, she had done stuff, but she hadn't gone to the full length that she wanted to. She, you know, she wanted to be a, a star. Mm-hmm. Um, but she couldn't really pout about it for long because her mother, her father had died at this point, And so she had to help support her mother. And so she saw there was an audition for WSM, which is the Opry. And um, she decided to audition for it. And while she was on the road with the Wayne P. Soil Company, she had boarded with this lady who was like a mountain woman. Um, and Sarah just became enthralled with the way she talked, um, her mannerisms, her stories, and her sayings. And this would inspire her character, Minnie Pearl. And she came up with the name Minnie Pearl because she just thought of two nice women country names, <laughs> Minnie and Pearl. Cute. So... Um, when she was back home, she decided to audition, um, for the Opry and she had, you know, along the years she had taken this lady that she met, she kind of would tell the story about her and then it became this, um, like she would do her, she would act like that woman and it became Minnie Pearl. So, uh, she auditioned for the Opry and, because she was from a well-off family and kind of like upper class and she was putting on the show of being this like more down home um, lady, mm-hmm. they were afraid the officials at WSM were kind of afraid that it may seem like um, she's making fun of us or making fun of our main crowd. So they put her in the late part of the show and um, she was feeling kind of defeated about it. And she asked her mother, she was like, you know, how did it go? You know, she was asking for some some feedback and her mom said, because this was like, she was on the late part of the show, like most of the people had already left the auditorium. Most people had gone to bed at this point. And her mom said, um, so many people woke up to hear to hear you, which is such a mom thing to say. It's like not a straight answer, but you know, it was like, you, you know, so many people woke up. And so she still felt discouraged, but it wasn't until she got 300 pieces of fan mail the next week wow. that she realized, okay, wait. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I can do this. And she was then offered the job with the Opry. So it was kind of like that late spot was kind of, um, she had a spot on the show, but it wasn't like official. It was like she was, they were giving her um, a chance. And so um, from there, she started to build up her career and this is the part, sorry, I had to go on a spill, but it leads up to where she goes <laughs> and she gets her, um, she finds the love of her life. So while she's building up her career, so she was get she was on the Opry, Sarah had a roommate in Nashville and the roommate had this fiance and they ended up getting married. Um, well, the roommate's husband had this childhood friend named Henry and he was in the Army Air Corps, so he was, like, in Japan at this time. But they would constantly send him letters telling, telling him about Sarah. Cute. And, and so he finally came home, and they had, the friends had put on a party, and it was kind of a, a way to get those two to meet each other. And they finally meet each other, but sparks don't fly or anything. They're just like, meh. You know, and so throughout that year, they would see each other at like parties and they were just kind of acquaintances. Well, one night they were at a party and I don't know what took over Henry, but in the spur of the moment, he kisses Sarah. And the tea here is Sarah (laughs) had brought a date to that party and Henry tells Sarah, 
that she needs to get rid of that guy. Like, I'm sure he didn't say it rudely at that, but he was like, <laughs> okay, lose him. Like, get rid of him. So she has her date to her, take her home. He pulls away, and then Henry pulls up behind him to pick Sarah back up. They leave, um, they leave her house and go back to the party. <laughs> and it's at that party that uh, Henry announces that they're getting married. Wow. Yeah. So. Wow. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it was a whirlwind, whirlwind romance, to say the least. But uh, Sarah was just like, so she was untraditional in her career. You know, she didn't get it till her late 20s and then she was 34 when she met her husband dang this is another thing that i'm very inspired by because <laughs> i have not met a man yet <laughs> and i'm getting hey old but anyway when you're 34 i was like, I read this, I was like <laughs> it'll I was happen like, oh my gosh i relate to many pearl in so many ways but um are you mini pearl <laughs> i think i am uh, so she didn't wear a traditional like white gown. She wore a beige garbadine suit. I hope I'm saying that correctly. And it was a small gathering and they married February 1947. Um, there will be a photo on our partner post of that gown. Yeah. Or not gown. Suit. suit. It's, and so when I say suit, it's not like a Hillary Clinton suit or an Ellen DeGeneres suit. <laughs> it's like a... I love, I love that you describe the suits exactly like that because I literally can see that. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a suit meaning like it was a top that matched a skirt. So she did wear a skirt, but it was, yeah. Um, and after the wedding, Sarah had wanting to wanted to commit to not touring anymore she wanted to stay close to nashville so she did she done most local shows and she stayed close to the opry but she was like dying to get back on the road and henry was such a supportive husband because he understood and if you remember back henry was part of the air corps so he knew how to fly mm -hmm. so he gets him a commercial airplane and he starts to fly um mini pearl to all of her performances and he manages her too. Um, but he would go on to fly more stars. He flew Elvis. He flew Hank Williams. Um, about said Hank Williams Jr. No, he, he flew the Hank Williams and Roy Acuff. Um, yeah, like he started yeah, a so, charter service basically. Yeah. Yeah, so cool. So it's just, it, it's so nice to hear like, yeah, she had to wait for her man, but he was very supportive and they were cute. So they were yeah, that's so love life. cute. Like, okay. <laughs> Guys, when you go to the Grand Ole Opry, if you perform work there, even if you're on a tour, you get to see the fountain that Henry gave Minnie Pearl um, for mm -hmm. their 25th wedding anniversary. Um, it was in her will that the Opry got to keep that fountain. So it's right at the artist's entrance. So... I just love it so much. Some people throw a penny in it. They make a wish. It's so sweet. Um, I just love the tradition. But it was mm -hmm. designed by Tennessee sculptor Jesse C. Beagley. And mm. it lived in the backyard of Henry and Minnie's home for many years before going to the Grand Ole Opry. But there is a plaque right outside it. And it says, this fountain was bequeathed to the Grand Ole Opry by Sarah Ophelia Colley Cannon, known to the world as Minnie Pearl. The fountain was created by sculptor Jesse Beasley, was a gift from her husband, Henry Cannon, on their 25th wedding anniversary. It is displayed in loving memory of 
mini. And we will also include that in our partner post because everyone should see it. And if you play Pokemon Go, there's always a really rare Pokemon by it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. You just locked a a memory for me. I just remember walking out and I would see people that are like going to the show and they have their phones out and they're like scooting along trying to find Pokemon. Yeah. I mean, they'll never see that one because it's like gated off, you know. But girl, I cannot tell you how many times I played that dumb game while I was a floater. If you're a tour floater, then you literally just walk around backstage to make sure no one got off their course. And it was the most Mm -hmm. boring job at the Opry. But I played Pokemon Go. And then in Studio A, there's like a big um, black curtain you know, Mm -hmm. and behind it, someone put a recliner. And when I found that, oh, (laughs) so I can't even tell you how many tour guides have literally slept on the job. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I wish. So I remember this kid, I was walking through the lobby one day and this kid was like, can you let me through the store? And it was like to, you know how you could go, um, out into that little like courtyard area on like the left side of the Opry. Yes. And it would go take you back to backstage. Yes. He was like, can you, can you let me back there? I was like, no. no. He's like, I think there's a Pokemon back there. So I'm wondering if it's the one you're talking about because Probably. he was, di- he was begging me to let him back there. And I was like, negative. Yeah. Like I found but. a Pikachu back there. That was really rare at the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, funny, good old times. <laughs> At the Grand Ole Opry. Um, The Grand Ole Time. It's a Grand Ole Time. But I think we should definitely touch on the most famous costume in country history. Um, String Bean had a wonderful costume, but Minnie Pearls is just fantastic. So she designed the Minnie Pearl costume to reflect the hillbilly character, and the outfit consists consisted of a cheap thrift store quality frilly cotton dress and cotton stockings and typically it had like a a gingham type pattern Mm -hmm. um the one that we had at the opry that i talk about in episode three with the ghost or no in episode one with the ghost story it was a blue gingham pattern um but before the show um when she first debuted her alter ego in south carolina before the show she purchased a straw hat at a department store. Well, she was running late and she also bought some flowers to like stick in the hat. Well, she forgot to rip off the price tag. So as she was walking out, she just tucks the price tag up in there. Okay. Well, during her act, uh, it slipped down and it dangled there. And man, did the crowd get a kick of it. They thought it was hilarious. She played it off beautifully and it just became part of her look. So they thought the price tag accident was hilarious, like I said. So now it's just a signature. So every time you think of Minnie Pearl, of course you think of that price tag. Now, legend has it, it only start. It was only for 98 cents, but she didn't want to be known as a cheap woman. So she put a dollar in front of that 98 cents. <laughs> so it definitely <laughs> says a dollar 98 and God bless you, Minnie. I would do the same thing. So it became as famous as her, which is pretty great. That just reminded me of all the mini pearl merch we had in the shop. Yes. I forgot. Everything had a price. Oh my gosh. This unlocked a memory. Yes. <laughs> yes. Are you talking about the price tag? Yes. Okay. So we had a <laughs> magnet and it was the hat with a price tag that said $1.98 and everyone, guys, I mean, literally everyone would be like, oh, so this is $1.98. <laughs> I'd be like, no. 
Honestly, it's it's on the Opry. They should have just made it a dollar ninety eight. Honestly, they really should have. It would have made everyone's life easier. It would have made sense. It would have been super cute. But no, there's literally like what was it a five ninety nine price tag on it or something? I don't mm-hmm. know. But I was just like, it's one of those where if something doesn't scan, okay, for all my retail mm-hmm. people, if something doesn't scan, then of course you get the classic. Oh, then it's free. <laughs> I hate that. You're not funny. We hear it all mm. day, every day. And <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. Oh my gosh. Wow. I always thought we should sell mini pearl hats. Mm-hmm. That would have been cute. We should have. I We got that question so many times. Do we sell the hat? And we're all like, no, I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. We should, but we don't. That'd be but, so cute. Uh, yeah. Well... I remember the little, there was a mug and it had a little hat on top of it. Or did I make that up? No, you did not make that up. I remember that (laughs) mug as well. It was so cute. Okay. Yeah, it was cute. So from on from there, um, so she had the Opry, but Minnie would have her own comedy tours. She recorded music. She ended up on the Billboard charts. She wrote several books, uh, her autobiography, joke books, Christmas books, and even cookbooks. Uh, She joined the cast of Hee Haw, which we mentioned in episode one one with string bean and she even headlined in vegas so many had all of this career success finally but it wasn't just that she was known for she was known for her philanthropy and the way she was um, very charitable also many never had children of her own but she became a mentor to many opry stars she would stand uh, side stage and encourage newcomers before they stepped into the circle, which I just feel like she took on the mother role for all of the Opry stars. And I just yeah, love that. I love that. Um, so she, I'm going to get out my handy dandy book here and tell you all of the charities this woman helped with. Just one second. Okay. So many helped with all of these charities. United Way, Big Brothers Big Sisters of America, the March of Dimes, the American Cancer Society, Vanderbilt Children Hospital, the Nashville Humane Association, the W.O. Smith Nashville Community Music School, the EAR Foundation, the Red Cross, and the Veterans Administration, and a dozen other causes. Wow. What a so, queen. Yeah, she really, she was just a very philanthropy person. Um, She would end up having a double mastectomy in 1985, and she still performed. And um, while she was doing all this, she was also advocating for breast cancer awareness. And President Reagan awarded her the American Cancer Society Courage Award. Wow. In 1990, Minnie collapsed at the Midtown Cafe is that closed now? I think so. I feel like that's a famous... I need to look into that. Okay. Um, and she was sent to Centennial Hospital. She had an operation and was given a pacemaker, and her cancer ended up returning. And this was all the same year of her 50th anniversary with the Opry. Wow. So she had a heck of a year. Um, a year later, the Sarah Cannon Cancer Center was dedicated to Centennial Hospital, and her last Opry show was June 14th, 1991. Um, she suffered a stroke uh, a couple days later that ended up paralyzing her. And she couldn't hold her head up and she couldn't really 
move her limbs, but she could still talk even though it was a little debilitated. While she was bedridden, she was awarded the National Medal of Arts. And there was also a two and a half hour TV special in honor of Minnie called Hats Off to Minnie, America's Honors Minnie Pearl. And she sat there with her husband and she was just crying because all these people joined in to honor her and she just wished she could have been there and all she could do was just sit there and watch. It really makes me upset because I'm like, she, she, she had a effect on so many people. March 4th, 1996, Minnie Pearl suffered another stroke, but this time it was fatal. Over 1,500 people attended her funeral. And her husband, Henry, he was obviously really tore up by this. I mean, they were pretty much best friends, and he was also her business partner. Um, But he would still be found consoling others because he knew how special his wife was to other people. I'm sorry, I'm getting upset. They were just really sweet. Um, I'm about to have a minty bee. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's fine. I... when. I was also researching for this. I was emotional all day. She was just such yeah. a good person. Mm-hmm. You know? She really was. She was special. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's just, like, his wife, his, like, partner in crime, and he was consoling other people because he knew she was just that special to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, Henry ended up dying a year after her in his sleep. And... I hate to do this again, but I just have to read this quote. Can I read another quote? Please do. Don't apologize. I just found it amazing that uh, Sarah or Minnie Pearl did so many amazing things in her life. But this is what she said. The best thing that ever happened to me was marrying Henry. She said, when the lights go down, the applause is stilled. The laughter is a memory and the show is over. You've got to go home. And there's got to be somebody waiting there who cares for you. Henry has been greatly responsible for whatever personal and professional happiness I have attained. And like, I just get so uh, choked up over, oh my gosh. It's because it's just so genuine and beautiful. And for, for someone to be, like for a man to be just so supportive Mm -hmm. of his wife especially during this time like all you really hear about in this time is like you know the woman's the housekeeper and you know cleans cooks watches the kids blah 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 blah. so it's just really neat to hear oh my goodness and it's like so many artists today it's like you never know if they're genuinely in love or if it's some kind of publicity stunt right but this was the real deal there was Mm -hmm. no faking about it and my like I named my dog after Minnie Pearl (laughs) I had no clue about her love life at Mm -hmm. all I mean the only thing I knew was her husband had bought her that fountain that was out in Opry I've heard that story so many times I've walked by it so many times that was all I knew and then I read all this and I'm like oh my goodness Mm -hmm. (sighs) so I know I just feel such a like you I feel a very personal relationship with Minnie Pearl for Mm -hmm. so many different reasons. Number one, she was in the theater. That's my whole world. I love theater. Um, I'm a professional stage manager and I, I basically live there. It's my second home. Mm -hmm. Um, my grandmother actually has a cool connection to Minnie Pearl. Uh, they lived in the same town and my grandmother worked at like a little 
restaurant, a little cafe. She worked at the soda fountain machines. And oh, she was a soda jerk. Yeah. <laughs> and um, my grandmother's so precious, but she was telling me about how Sarah's mom would come in all the time. And so she would serve um, the Collies and how sweet and genuine they were and how just generous and kind. And she loved when they came in. They knew her by name, uh, Laura Joe. And she said the best tip she ever got was from Minnie Pearl. So God bless you for being a good tipper, Miss Minnie Pearl. <laughs> but we love to hear it. Yeah, we love to hear it. But it's like so flipping cool. My grandmother literally, literally knew Minnie Pearl. You know, the way I'm jealous, <laughs> the way I'm jealous. I mean, I get to hear these stories, but I'm like, man, if I could just go back in time with you and experience Gosh. this, you know, my grandmother has so many cool stories. There are so many connections that I didn't know that my family had, you know, so when my grandmother right. talks about it, like when she told us that she sang on the Junior Opry, first of all, I didn't even know there was yeah. a Junior Opry. And then mm-hmm. to know that. She sang on it, and fun fact, the way you got to sing on the Junior Opry was by sending in Goo Goo uh, rappers, and we talked about what Goo Goo clusters were in the first episode, but uh, yeah, whoever sent in the most got to sing on the Junior Opry. How, how cool and like just quaint that is. I'm sorry, but it's so cute. Listen, I will buy out a whole freaking palette of goo goo clusters if I can sing on my opera. Dan, I need like, you to be listening to this <laughs> podcast, okay? She will pay Dan, you to perform. <laughs> we're Facebook friends, okay? <laughs> Don't make me harass you. <laughs> my my chances of singing on the opera are revoked officially. Like. Yeah, they're gonna be like, actually, can you add her to the stalker list? Can you just do that? Actually, she has a podcast where she talks about how much she, she hates the opera. I'm just kidding. No, it's all my we fault. We love it. It's we hate all, it. We love it. We, we, love, it. we, we love to hate it. it you know. <laughs> oh man. Um, but no, that is awesome. When your grandma was telling her stories, I was getting chills because it's just like we're. I am such a nerd and such a geek, and I told you this story earlier. But we, I was in community college. It wasn't even when I was at Belmont. Belmont, you know, Minnie Pearl went there. It would make sense if it was there. But I went to. Um, Owensboro Community College before and we had a speech class and they were like write a speech and you have to tell it about the thing you're most passionate about obviously Whitney Merritt does the Grand Ole Opry and so I got up there and I went howdy to start it off and let me tell you there was crickets <laughs> but no one knows what we're talking about nobody knew about. what I was talking about <laughs> it's like okay well but yeah so um but I just I love that kind of stuff. And just to know, like, that we're so close to it. Like, I'm from Kentucky, so I just, it's crazy to think it's such a small world. And, and like, your family lived near her. Yeah, it's it's just wild, like, to be in the same, to be at the grocery store at the same time the Collies were. It's like, what is this mm. life, you know? Right. But. Goodness. There's just so um, many things. She's, oh, she's. Like her and Dolly Parton, it's like, how can people be so good? Mm-hmm. Like, be so talented? Just have, I don't know. I just, so, I'm going to add um, while she was alive, Mini Pearl ended up setting up the Mini Pearl Scholarship Fund, which still gives financial aid to the hearing impaired. Wow. 
she's a saint. Mm-hmm. Um, some of her awards. So she was the first comic included or not the first comic inducted into the country music hall of fame. So let me, I just want to note this. It doesn't say the first female comic. She mm. was the first comic in general. And then she was the first woman recipient of the billboards country man of the year award. Um, then again, she got the American cancer society courage award. She got the national medal of arts. And then she was the first female inductee into the comedy hall of fame in Tampa, which brings us back to you, Liz. Tampa. Hey. I'm going to have to go there for real. Cause yeah. I didn't even know that was down here until you told me. So I will definitely have to go, but <clears throat> there's just so many things about Minnie Pearl that, I love. And, you know, she she was kind of like the mom at the Grand Ole Opry. Her best friend was Roy Acuff. He's like the dad, you know, mom, dad at the Opry. Um, And even though her comedy was fairly self-deprecating, a a co-star of hers from Hee Haw, George Lindsay, said that she taught him that if you turn the joke on yourself, then you're not hurting anybody. And it's those jokes that always get a laugh. And that plays into the just the heart that she and Dolly Parton share. You know what I mean? Like no one, I don't know of anybody that hates Dolly Parton. And if you do, we're never going to be friends, but (laughs) exactly. (laughs) I mean, how can you hate her? She's such a beautiful person. And I feel like Minnie Pearl was the exact same way. So, you know, what's fun is she later said this of her famous price tag, coming back to that, the price tag on my hat seems to be symbolic of human frailty. There's old Minnie Pearl standing on a stage in her best dress, telling everyone how proud she is to be there. And she's forgotten. Why am I crying? (laughs) Girl. (laughs) And she's forgotten to take the $1.98 price tag off her hat. And I just think that's really cool of her to say too. Like, she's so deep. She came right. across on stage as, like, this funny hillbilly that only cared about boys and all this stuff. But really, off stage, she was super smart. Um, mm-hmm. She loved to read and write. And, you know, Jeannie Seely says in an interview that she wishes that the audience got to see more of that. She said, it's always something to me that Minnie Pearl was way funnier backstage, contemporary, current, smart. I always thought the audience would love that side of her, but on stage she had to be Minnie Pearl. So <laughs> oh, I wish I love all this stuff. Uh, I, I know. It. I wish we could hang out. It, so definitely the question that comes up sometimes is like, you know, that famous question to get to know somebody. If you could have lunch with anybody dead or alive, who would you have lunch with? It would be Dolly Parton and Minnie Pearl. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mine would probably be either those two, you know, Loretta. Of course. But um, I have a pretty long quote. I'm a quote girl, okay? <laughs> I love a good quote. You love a good quote. <laughs> and then I'll shut my mouth, okay? <laughs> um. <laughs> So this is talking about how much Minnie, she felt like she owed the Opry. And I want to, you know, I feel like people don't take it as serious anymore. And they don't understand the intensity of the Opry. uh, But this is going to put it in perspective. So Minnie said, I have never gotten over the debt that I owe the Opry. I was a failure at 28. The Opry. 
The Opry was a marvelous break for me that I will always remember. The Opry pulled me out of the slow that I was in, or whatever that word is. When I came in 1940, most of the people who listened to the Opry were considered country people hillbillies at that point. Most people believed that nobody listened to it except country people. Nowadays, you don't know where you're going to find a country fan. The Opry and country music have become worldwide. That's very exciting to me. And when I walk out onto the stage, the Opry audience is different from any other audience. There's a special feeling that you get from an Opry audience that you don't get, for example, when you tape a TV special in the same hall. The Opry audience is people who have sent in for those tickets and have come here especially for the Opry. Some are there for curiosity, but I think the majority of them are there because they care. Mm. That gets ya. That gets ya. Whew. Man, she was a part of something so special, and yet she mm-hmm. was the thing that other people were a part of that was so special, if that makes yeah. any sense. She made it. She, she's made, like, the, the Opry that I love and I love to learn about, she was a, like, major building block of that mm-hmm. to me. For sure. Like, the Opry wouldn't be what it is. And my favorite thing is when, so when you walk backstage, I remember my first day I was going into orientation and this was my first, first, first orientation, not my, <laughs> and I look up and there's this huge picture of Minnie Pearl in the circle. And she's like, she's like looking out in the crowd mm-hmm. and I post, I obviously posted on my Instagram. I'm just so proud to be here <laughs> on my first day, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It, there's just something so special, obviously, about it because we keep saying it over and over again. But um, while, you know, while she's like so sweet and everything, there was this huge, did you hear about this huge like KFC debacle she was a part of? Oh my gosh, yes. I actually read part of that. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> like, okay, so I'll have to tell you guys. It's just so wild. So not everything she did in her career was a success because an entrepreneur named John J. Hooker persuaded Pearl and a gospel singer named Mahala Jackson to have their names attached to KFC in in the 1960s. Now, it was already famous, chain was marketed, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, the chain did not do well. Um, At first it did, but then it became clear that the accounting books weren't adding up and the restaurant Yikes. chain had willfully, guys, willfully manipulated its stock price. So for a while, Pearl and Jackson were like under investigation for this, but mm-hmm. it, it later came out that they had nothing to do with it. So the United States Securities and Exchange Commission eventually cleared them of any financial wrongdoings in 1969. So Pearl was like, okay, yeah, enough of that. I don't want to be a part of anything like that ever again. So I'm just going to focus on my career. And that's when stay in my lane. And that's when she became a part of Hee Haw. Thank goodness. And she was on Hee Haw for like 20 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So pretty wild I think I forgot to mention, and I feel like I'm sorry. There, okay, first of all, me and Liz were both saying as we were preparing for this episode, there's so much to her that we're not even going to touch. So like, much. 
<laughs> but I have to say this. So I am a huge fan of June Carter, like before she became June Carter Cash. This is when like her, her sisters were the, the vocalist in the family and like her mom and everything. But she was the comedian and she would go out on stage and she would act like a goofball and she'd call all the guys, oh, not head. <laughs> well, while researching, I found out that Minnie Pearl like helped her kind of learn how to get into that comedic state and how to deliver jokes. Same thing with little Jimmy Dickens. Like she helped him with his uh, joke delivery. She was just like a huge, like so many different aspects of country music history. She played a part in it. So that's so I just, crazy. I feel like I had to say that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think that's very important. I mean, little Jimmy Dickens. Wow. Right. You know, <sighs> well, I met him. Did you? Yes, that's one of my greatest feats in life as I met little Jimmy Dickens. Oh my gosh, you have to tell that story. What happened? He was very quiet. <laughs> really? He was not. He was very nice, but he was he was just really quiet. Um, I was in, in high school. I did an internship with our local radio station. And we had like, you know how they have local radio stations come down to the Opry for their, like we have WBKR night. Mm-hmm. Well, I was down there and I was backstage in the little like, What's that area called with the, like, where the flood line is? You the green room. The green room, yeah. I was back there, and he came off stage, and I was like, ah, like, you're not going to mistake little Jimmy Dickens. Right. And he comes up, and he's just like, hello. And I was like, hi. And we just sat there and talked for a little bit. And then I realized I was in the I was in the way of him getting a drink. And then I scooted my little stuff out of the way and let <laughs> J- little Jimmy Dickens get a drink. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm in the way of your lemonade. I'm so sorry. That same night, I uh, met John Anderson, which um, since we last recorded, I've gotten a tattoo, which is John Anderson's lyrics. So I just had to mention that real quick. But anyway, yeah. Yes. Wild and blue. Yes. <sighs> which, uh, for those of you that don't know, I actually manage. <laughs> this is a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> I manage Whitney's music page okay so if anyone's in her dms she answers you most of the time i'm not trying to catfish Mm -hmm. y'all out here but um (laughs) it was funny because after she got that tattoo i was like okay great let's make some cute stuff from john anderson she loves him (laughs) so i made a story that had the correct quote but then i put on her uh feed okay (laughs) Is that the wall? What is it called? Your feed, I guess. Like you posted on my actual page. Yeah, so like yeah, yeah. You posted in the story an actual quote from John Anders- Anderson. Like from the that John Anderson that you like. Yeah. Okay, well, then I came <laughs> to find out there's a, another musician named John Anderson without the H in Britain. <laughs> so I posted one of his quotes too. And I was like, you know, and I put the London flag like the England flag. <laughs> and Whitney thought, oh, I just thought you were being cute. <laughs> anyway. You know that's- what? I've supported no, no, no matter what. Thanks. Like, you do such good work you on know? my page. I was like, you know what? <laughs> Spice it up. We can have two John Anderson. Thanks, but hay? I came clean. I told Whitney what I did. And it's still up there. I didn't delete it. So go take a like. <laughs> go you follow know. her while you're at it. Please, please follow me. Please. I'm beg I'm begging at this point. <laughs> so it's just going back to what we're saying about how I just feel like back in the day people had such a genuine respect for each other, a respect for what they were doing, um, all that kind of stuff. And these days I 
just don't feel that way about our society mm-hmm. anymore. Um, yeah, there's just not common courtesy anymore. It's literally fighting all the time. It's it's insane. But mm-hmm. can you just imagine if Roy Acuff, Minnie Pearl, uh, String Bean, I mean Grandpa Jones, all of them came back and spent one night down on Broadway in Nashville. Uh, they would have a freaking, they would have a minty bee. They'd have a little mental breakdown. I mean, it is just a Petri dish at this point. Ugh. You know, it's it's a Petri dish, a never-ending abyss of tourists and mm-hmm. the city greed that comes along with that. I mean, heck, if you're mm-hmm. working in a bar, singing downtown on Broadway, more power to you because honestly, I could never, I do not have the patience, but Nashville is just ridiculously overpopulated, overpriced, overstimulated. The new, I mean, okay. The new Titan stadium that got approved Ugh. is like $2.1 billion dollars. Why? Why? What is the need? Meanwhile, you have a huge population of homeless with tents lining the underbelly of the freeway. It is just so crazy to me. The gentrification? Bro. (laughs) So if you've never been to Nashville, so they have this huge stadium. And then I think it's 65 that's right there. Yeah. maybe No, you're right. It's 65 65. 24, 40, all that. Yeah, so right across from all this is like poor. Like I don't I don't know how to say that. It's just like it's not a good area and so they got to see all of this like re this construction to cater to the tourist. Oh, it's when wild. they're not catering to the locals. It's just it's wild. I mean, there's a joke in Nashville with the locals right now that says what is the sit- like what is Nashville's bird okay well like what is the symbol what is the bird and it's Mm -hmm. a crane like as in a construction crane because they're everywhere I mean I swear I don't know how much more you can squeeze into there and honestly it's so depressing to me as someone who frequently drove through Nashville as a kid and you see the Mm -hmm. Batman building which is the AT&T but by the way, the AT&T building yeah. used to be the Bell South Tower. <clears throat> but um, now there's like buildings going up that's taller than that, overshadows it. it like the skyline is just not the same. It's so depressing well, to me. I was about to say, so we would grow up or when I was growing up, we would go down and my dad would play in the bars, like play fiddle and stuff. A huge part of my childhood. And a major memory was going 65 South. You come into Nashville, you like kind of go around this curve and like over a hill and you see the Batman building. And I remember being so excited to see the Batman building because I was in my happy place. Like I was in Nashville and now I go down there and it's all covered up. And I'm like, y'all took that away from me. And I know it sounds like we're just like complaining, complaining, but, but it's like, people that lived in Nashville and people who love country music and love history and it just sometimes feels like that's being taken away. A lot of times it feels like it's being taken away. Yeah. And being for it's people who don't really care are being catered to and they're just going to be there for a, for a couple of hours, you know, or a couple of days on vacation or something. Right. I mean, pedal taverns are the new cabs down there, you know, like it's just crazy. (sighs) And then, you know, you just all the accidents that have happened. Okay. So Mm -hmm. if you are going downtown, if 
you want to have a good time, stick to the old school bars, all right? Legends, Tootsies, The Stage. Uh, some would mm-hmm. argue with me on this, but Honky Talk Central. Uh, I like Honky Talk Central. Yeah, just the old one. If you want to go to an absolute, excuse my language, shit show, go to <laughs> any bar that is named after a country music artist, okay? Go mm-hmm. to Jason Aldean's where there's fights all the time. Go to Kid Rock's bar where it's just, oh my gosh. I mean, there was one night. It's just pandering. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, you're right. You're right. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. But yeah, at Kid Rock's bar, there was one night where a guy took his colostomy bag off and flung it around the room. Okay, I'll let you use your imagination, but it's just disgusting. (sighs) What the... (laughs) What is wrong with people? Like, people don't like going down on Broadway anymore. It's just not fun. It's not what it used to be. It's just... It's tacky, and it's... So tacky. Thank you. That's a beautiful word. It has been... It's sold out. It has been sold out. Blake Shelton's got a bar, and then Dirks Bentley's got a bar, and then Florida Georgia Line, and then Kid Rock, and then who the hell else does needs a bar down there? I know. I know she's a girl, so but dumb. now Miranda Lambert has a bar down there, and I'm like, y'all, yes. please stop. But, okay, I, I, I agree. Like, I'm not going to go there either, but at least the girl's got one now. For well, God's sake. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> and hers is a little cantina, so they got Mexican food too. So she's got food. Is but she still on second stupid. or is she on Broadway? Honestly, I have no clue because it's, this is literally how much I don't want to go down to. I used to, oh, in college, I was down on Broadway every night. This was before, like, May, no, because. Blake Shelton took over Opry Originals, and I used to work in Opry Originals building. Mm-hmm. So he was like one of the first artists to have their own bar. So no, they weren't he all was. down there. We went. Yeah, it was Legend. We would stop at Let. You go first, go to Legends Corner, and then you go on to Tootsie's, then you go to the stage. You know what? Actually, I think it was FGL House first. But oh, yeah. that's beside the point. But yeah, Old Red was definitely the first one on the strip because FGL House is behind another bar somewhere like off on third oh or something. Oh my God. Which Old Red is part of the Opry with the Ryman Hospitalities. But so I had to go, I may have told y'all this story already, but during CMA Fest, me and Morgan Cornbread Williams had to go and work CMA Fest and they were launching Old Red. We had to listen to Old Red on repeat. <laughs> For a whole week, for eight hours a day. Girl, I didn't even know it was the name of a song, honestly. I was like, oh, Red, like what? And everyone in the shop was Ugh. like, um, it's his song. And I was like, I clearly don't care, but okay. I clearly needed to hear it once in my life. It was like, I used to love the song. Now I hear it. I literally heard it at the bank and I posted a status. I was like, I just got triggered <laughs> because... <laughs> the bank has music going on. <laughs> I've been triggered so much at the bank. They played they played Elvira one day, and I was like, Elvira. "Oh God, no!" <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, yes. <laughs> but they played Old Red one day, and I was like, "God, no!" Yeah, please, no. What have What have I done? <laughs> now there are things downtown that are that are so fun to go to. Okay, mm-hmm. like honestly, the George Jones Museum. There's a rooftop mm-hmm. bar up there with a beautiful ro- view of the river, so go there. Instead. Yeah. Um, 
We're so, not trying to sway people from go. We we want you to enjoy the good. Yeah, parts. if that's your scene, go for it, baby. Okay, who are we to stop you? But we also want you to be prepared. You know, mm. but like the symphonies you know, down there, please go to the symphony. The tea packs down there, Tennessee Performing Arts Center, please go see a play. Okay, let the arts thrive. Um, please stop in, even if it's just during the day. Robert's Western World has traditional country music. Mm. It's in between Tootsie's and uh, Legends. Uh, Jack's Barbecue. Ooh. Ooh. Good. Ooh. Good food. Yes. Good One food. of my favorite things. What was it called? It's one of my favorite things, but I can't remember what it's called. Uh, <laughs> uh, the trailer park. They had oh tater tots. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, what was that um, called? Paradise Park. <gasps> Paradise Park. You know, it okay. closed down I forever would, ago. I know. I was sad. I mourned for like ever. I think because every local I knew mourned that. That okay, so they had the best tater tots. Literally. And they had a sign outside that said, Let me see your tots. Um you would get a little drink, a little drinky drink in, and then two two AM hit and you're like, I'm hungry. You would either go to cookout, but it was all the way down on West End, and there was a line out in the middle of West End. Or you just went up into Paradise Park and got you some tater tots and it was Oh, it was so delicious. Back to to campus. (laughs) Yeah, it was delicious. I can't remember who took Jeff and I there the first time. I feel like it was West, maybe even Tyler, but I could be very wrong about that. Tell Tyler he needs to have tater tots on his menu. (laughs) (laughs) Tyler fancy. So Tyler is one of my best friends. He is also my boss. Uh, He owns a (laughs) private chef company called Tastify in Nashville. And so he is exactly that, a private chef that comes to your home. So I will tell him, he will definitely make it prettier. He'll say like truffle, truffle, potato crisps. Yeah, something. Stumpy potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God he doesn't make me come up with his menu item names. (laughs) Spud, spud knobs. Yeah, spud knobs. (laughs) Garlic truffle spud knobs. (laughs) Listen, it's gonna be his bestseller, and I'm gonna want commission. Okay, I'll tell him. I'll let him know. I'll write you up a contract. (laughs) But yeah. Um, Oh, and of course, of course, hidden back there on Demumbrian, guys. Say it with me, Demumbrian. It's not Demon Bruin. It looks like that. So no worries, but it's Demumbrian, okay? Um, We have the Country Music Hall of Fame. So you should go there. It's so, it's like, it's amazing. It really is. There's so many cool, there's so much memorabilia, so many fun facts. You can even take the RCA, is it Studio B or Studio A tour? Mm, I think it's Studio Studio A. I think Studio B is on 17th. Okay. So yeah, you can take the RCA tour that's where um why can i not remember his name Elvis? piano jerry lee lewis thank you that's where i think we're talking about him. studio b okay because they start at the country music hall of fame and then they go up to 17th yes okay i used to live on 17th so i'd have to see them all the time yeah but. okay yes i as a nashville ambassador i was told that stu- the studio b tour is literally one of the best tours in nashville so you should definitely do that. But so 
on Minnie Pearl's Hall of Fame plaque. Uh, we talked about her being inducted there. Um, I wanted to read this quote. So it reads, humor is the least recorded, but certainly one of the most important aspects of live country music. And that's very true because at the Grand Ole Opry, they always have a comedian as part of their lineup. Most of the time it's Henry Cho and I know his entire routine. I know I, I, can, I can say it. At this point, I, oh, you want to talk about a comedian I am obsessed with is Dusty Slay. I am obsessed with Dusty Slay, and I wish they had him on more. He's like a down-home Alabama trailer park bro <laughs> in the best way. Dusty oh Slay, gosh. guys. So great. I got to look him up. Yes. But um, so on Minnie Pearl's Hall of Fame plaque, it reads that, but interestingly enough, <clears throat> there is no death date because Sarah intended to be eternal. I think it would behoove everyone to remember her, her personality, what all she accomplished for herself, all that she did for country music, for comedy, for Nashville, and so much more. Her frequent exit line, I'm trying not to cry. <laughs> her frequent exit line was, I love you so much it hurts. And I just gotta say, we too, Minnie, love you so much it hurts. We wanna thank y'all for listening to Spillin' the Tea. Whitney Merritt and Liz Ent are co-hosts and co-producers. The show is edited by Jeff Ent, and the theme song was performed and recorded by Sam Mays, a.k.a. Chumsky. Follow us on Facebook and our Instagram at SpillMatee underscore podcast for show updates, partner posts, source material, and contact info for any business inquiries. Be sure to rate us whether you listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Thank you all again so much for listening, and y'all come back now, you hear? hear?